Uh, it, it's, I'm getting better at coming downtown, though. I never, ever come downtown. The first time I came and preached at Phoenix Bible Church, I drove on the light rail, like in my car. Not like I took. I accidentally turned on to the thing. I ended up in a parking garage once. Uh, it was all new to me. So, uh, But I didn't do that this time. So super, super great. Great to be here. Um, it is fun to preach at uh, another church. Uh, every time I think it's my last time because I'm thinking surely I did something wrong and Tim knows better. Um, but here we are yet again. So maybe this is my last time. If it is, uh, thank you for having me the last four times. Uh, if it's not, I look forward to the fifth and being with you uh, again someday soon. So uh, three or four weeks ago, Tim started this new Fighting Words series. And when he asked me to be a part of Fighting Words, I'm like, heck yeah. Like, I throw hands. Like, I'm, 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 I'm down to fight somebody and yell at some people and like get all caught up in the toxic rage going on in our culture. Like, I'll fight. And it's like, no, it's not like that. It's, it's different. It's what this thing says, right? It's promises to fight the battles we all face. So it's not us fighting, but it's us trusting in the promises God makes so that we can actually fight these battles that we're going through. Week one, we talked about crisis, how God still conquers even through the greatest crisis. Okay, even when you think, man, this one's too much. This one's probably too hard for God to handle. I'm not sure if God can conquer this one. Uh, he can conquer that one too. Right? There is nothing we can face in our life that's, that's too hard or too strong uh, for King Jesus to overcome. We talked about crisis. God overcomes. We talked about hurry, how God is in charge of our salvation and our success. Right? Like I'm happy to give him my salvation. Right? Like I can't do that on my own. Like I understand that piece. But my success, like if I'm going to make something of myself, if Thomas is going to be somebody, then surely that's up to me. That's on me to what we saw. No, God actually... He's a sovereign over all those things. He's sovereign over my salvation. He's sovereign over my success. He has a wonderful, wonderful plan for my life. And even when life gets hard or when my job gets hard or when I feel unsuccessful, God is still fighting for me through that. Or we talked about anxiety, how God doesn't crush us in our anxiety. He comes near and carries us. Okay, my tendency is to tell someone like, suck it up, stop being a baby. That's what it looks like for me to come. That's why I'm not like a like a counseling pastor. Like I probably wouldn't be real. I just quit crying about it. What are you, a baby? But that's not what God does. He comes near to us. He doesn't just say like, hey, I have a plan. Just you stay there. I'll stay here. I'm all high and mighty up in heaven. Like you, I'm going to be up here while you're down there. I've got a plan. He comes near. He's Emmanuel, right? God with us. And furthermore, he's instilled his spirit into us. He's God in us. He's with us, guiding us, helping us overcome our anxieties. He doesn't crush us, but he comes near and carries us through it. This morning, we're going to look at resentment. Resentment. Before we hop in, let me pray one more time, and we can ask for God's help this morning, and then we'll see what he has for us to fight that battle. God, thank you for being with us. God, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You're always there. You have a wonderful, wonderful plan for our life, God. You care, you care for us. You help us take uh, whatever next step you have us taken, God. You lead us, you guide us, even through uh, the valleys of life, even on the mountaintops, God, you are always with us. So God, this morning, whatever situation uh, my friends and my family in this room are facing, God, we trust in that promise that you're with us here right now this morning. Um, God, you're with us here this morning as we fight against resentment. God, you already have the outcome in mind. God, would you help us see that and trust in your good, good plan for your glory and your glory alone. God, would everything we say and everything we do bring glory to you and your son, Jesus Christ, this morning. And all God's people said, amen. 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 This morning, we are looking at resentment. 
Uh, what's resentment? Resentment is kind of like bitterness. You can think of those as the two different sides to the same coin, right? Bitterness is anger. Uh, the Bible doesn't say anger is evil. Maybe you grew up thinking that. The Bible says be angry and don't sin, right? Anger is oftentimes a good thing. In fact, we should get angry about sin in our world. We should get angry about injustices in our world. And oftentimes that anger actually leads us to do something about it. Okay, but in a sinful, well, a sinful way, anger turns to bitterness, bitterness turns to resentment, and now we're wishing and hoping ill will towards other people. So what is resentment? It's anger aimed at a person or even God. We'll get there in a second. But God's promise to us in resentment is that we can overcome resentment through forgiveness. Here is the promise for this morning. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It just entrusts it to God. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It just entrusts us, entrusts it to God, right? Because we think, man, if, if there's sin going on in the world, like I got to do something about it. Like I got to make him pay. I got to get payback. I got to do something about this. There needs to be justice. But, but what we see in forgiveness is forgiveness is actually turning that over to God and allowing God to do as he will when injustice is, it happens in our world. So um, three things we're going to look at this morning with the third thing, having four points. First thing we're looking at this morning is that the reality, we will all deal with resentment. Every single one of us will deal with resentment. Why? Why do we deal with resentment? It's because people suck. That's why. Because people are sinful and they hurt people. Okay, when people get hurt, hurt people hurt more people. This is the world that we live in. I am going to hurt someone. I'm going to sin against someone. I'm going to say something stupid or do something stupid. And those same exact things are going to happen to me. And because of those, I want to feel hurt. And resentment, this desire to do evil towards someone else, often rises up for a, a plethora of different reasons. One reason it happens is when painful things happen in our life. Maybe it's not someone doing something to us, but it's just a painful circumstance going on in our life. Another reason resentment comes up, maybe it's a painful or sinful thing that happens to someone you love. Right? It's not even something that, that you're going through necessarily, but it's something your friend, your family member, a loved one, a roommate, whatever it might be, something they're going through. And because they're going through and they're hurt, you're hurt, so you're mad. And you're resentful towards whatever situation is going on. It's not even your business, but we get all up inside of it uh, and, and resent things there. Or maybe it's jealousy. Right, We get resentful when good things happen to someone else that you think you deserve. Right? You know the story of Cain and Abel? In the Bible, right, beginning, beginning of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel both bring a sacrifice to God. God prefers one over the other. Cain is not happy. He's really, really upset about it. I brought a good thing to God. How can you like this other one? So he gets all angry, takes his brother out in the field. What's he do? He kills him. Anger, which turned to bitterness, which turned to resentment, which expressed itself and murder, or the story of King Saul. Remember King Saul? Pretty good king for a while, pretty good warrior. David comes along. Um, David starts, he's like an amazing, amazing warrior. And as they come back from this battle, people are chanting, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. In other words, Saul's pretty cool, but David is amazing. David's amazing. What's Saul do? Gets jealous. Jealousy turns to anger. Anger turns to bitterness. Bitterness turns to resentment. What's he do? Tries to kill David like four times. This is what happens in our life. We get jealous, we get angry, we get bitter, and then that turns to resentment, and we wish evil towards other people. Or maybe we face resentment when someone sins against us. 
And we will absolutely experience this because we live in a sinful and fallen world. We will hurt people and people will hurt us. Sometimes in small ways and sometimes in really, really big ways, which is where the promise comes in this morning. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It just entrusts it to God. That leads us into our second point. The solution for resentment is not revenge, but forgiveness. The solution for resentment is not revenge, but forgiveness. See, we are tempted to take things into our own hands, but when we forgive someone, we leave things where they belong in God's hands. We allow God to deal with it because he's the only one who really can. I don't know if many of you have kids in this room. I've got four kids. I'm an eight-year-old, six-year-old, four-year-old, and a nine-month-old. My eight-year-old and six-year-old fight nonstop. Like, did anyone else have a sibling they're that close to? And you, no siblings in this whole room. A couple. You still fight with your brother a little bit, right? A little bit of resentment, right? Um, so with my kids, here's what happens. They're real happy, and they're like playing Legos. Let's go on the trampoline. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Go outside on the trampoline. So they go on the trampoline. Five minutes later, they come back inside. One of them is holding their eye. The other one's like holding their other spots. Um, and I'm like, okay. Time to figure out what happened. What happened? Well, he, 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 he like kicked me. Where did he kick you? Yeah, of course, that's boys. This is what boys do. So what'd you do? I punched him in the face. How come? Payback. I said, well, I understand that. Right, because this is what we do, right? If someone does X or says X to us, we want to do Y or say Y back to them, right? We want to get payback because something feels like so carnal and fleshly and good, like I'm taking that into my own hands. But what I walk through with my kids, I'm like, listen, if, 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 you, if your brother kicked you right where it hurts, okay, he gets the consequence. I'm going to deal with that. But if you punch him in the face, now you get a consequence too. Okay, no consequence goes unpunished here. And, and I'm the dad. I get to decide what happens. I'm the dad. I deal with the consequences. And sometimes when I look at God the Father, and he's looking down on us, and we're like dishing out payback and consequences every which direction, I kind of feel like he's saying, hey, I'm the dad. I get to do that. We're not doing payback. We're not doing revenge. I'm the dad, and I will repay. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says this, Beloved, never avenge yourself. Never. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And notice how he doesn't say revenge, not revenge. This isn't like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth type of thing. This is God issuing, issuing consequences based on people's actions. And when you and I start issuing all the consequences, when you and I play judge, jury, and executioner, uh, we're real selfish, so we discipline how we'd like to discipline. Uh, we, we do things how we'd like to do them. But, but, but God is different. Why? Because God's perfect. You might have like a really good friend sin against you and you kind of let it slide, right? Because you kind of prefer them and you're, you're a little biased towards them. But someone else sins against you and it's like all hell is breaking loose. It's like fire and brimstone raining from your mouth, right? This is what we do to people. But God is the only one who actually issues consequences perfectly. Why? Because God's just and in God's economy, no sin goes unpunished. He'll deal with it. He's the only one who does this perfectly. And this is who he is. It's a non-negotiable. But for whatever reason, when someone sins against me, I feel like if I don't pay back, they're going to get off scot-free. You ever feel this way? If I don't do something, then nothing's going to get done. 
But we don't see the back end of what's actually going on in someone's life, even after they've committed that sin. Let me rewind and tell you a story. I'm in eighth grade, shopping a Hot Topic. I don't know why y'all, that's a coolest store in the mall. Second dispenser's gifts, right? Um, so I'm shopping at Hot Topic. I'm in eighth grade. Well, I, I said shopping. I meant stealing. <laughs> I'm stealing at Hot Topic. So I used to steal stuff all the time. Um, it's a story for another time. But uh, we're in Hot Topic, and I'm looking at all the cool shirts. So I like sweet shirts, sweet pants, like all sorts of weird stuff going on in there. Uh, and I find this really awesome chain wallet with red flames. And as an eighth grader, I'm like, that needs to be mine. I deserve it, right? Justified, right? I don't have any cash, so I just stole the thing. I go home, and now I'm freaking out because I just stole something. And not just like a piece of candy or like a, a pair of gloves from a doctor's office. I used to think those were fun for some reason. Um, but I'm stealing this wallet. So I, I, like for three weeks, every time I saw a cop car, I'm like, this is it. This is the moment. Every time my parent, Thomas, we need to talk. And I'm like, this is it, right? And I felt tormented. For three weeks, like the consequences of my actions were like, I'm, I'm so torn. Like God was dealing with me. Okay, Hot Topic had no idea. The people in the store, they, they probably don't even care. It's not going to affect them a whole lot, right? But for three weeks, I'm like convicted and God's like churning my spirit and everything to the point where three weeks later, I go back to Hot Topic and I put the thing back on the shelf and then left and then I never stole anything again. Like to this day, I, I just, I, it was that tragic of an experience for me. But God dealt with me. He dealt with my sin. See, we like to think, no, if someone does something, then I need to deal with their sin. I need to deal with their actions. I need to issue the consequence. But what we don't see on the back end is that God's already dealing with it. We need to turn that over to God because he's the only one who punishes perfectly. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It just entrusts it to God. Now, we'll all deal with resentment. The solution for resentment is forgiveness, which leads us to our third thing. When sinned against, we need to forgive. When sinned against, we need to forgive. First thing forgiveness does is it places it in God's hands, right? It says, God, I'm not in control of this. So I'm going to give it back to you because you're the one who can actually do something about the situation. The second thing forgiveness does for us is it allows us to send it away. Okay, to stop harboring that bitterness and harboring that resentment, to stop holding it down and let some of that stuff out so we can truly heal from it. I think of it like this. You ever seen those floating candle lanterns? Which are really dangerous when you think about them. I don't know where those things end up. I'm sure that's like all the forest fires in Australia last year were probably from like kids in San Diego releasing like these lanterns up into the, over the ocean. It's beautiful. <laughs> Everything's on fire, right? Um, super awful idea which makes me think about forgiveness. Um, so when I think about these things, right, it's kind of this idea where, okay, we light them. I don't know if you've done these things before, but it's not like you light this lantern and it immediately flies away. You light this lantern and then for a few minutes, it's just like sitting in front of your face. Like, well, this isn't fun. This is actually, it's kind of boring. This isn't good. I thought, I thought we were gonna get rid of this thing and we were gonna watch it sail off and we we're gonna have this awesome moment together as the sun went down and look at these lanterns. Instead, it's just right here. When I think about forgiveness, we think, okay, I'm gonna forgive him and then it's gonna be gone, bam. The issue is I bring up a bunch of this garbage to actually start working through it for real and then it's just sitting there. It's just there. And I'm like, well, this is ugly. This isn't fun. I thought this was supposed to leave me. I thought we were going to watch this go up to God and I was never going to deal with it again. Eventually, this thing starts to rise and it gets further and further and further and further away until someday it'd be great if we could just forget, right? If we could forgive and forget. You heard that phrase before? Not in the Bible. 
It's not in the Bible. And we wonder why, oh, I forgave him, but I just can't kick it. I can't get rid of it. I can't forget it. Well, God never says that's going to happen. He does that. It says in the Psalms, he removes our sin from the east, from the west. It says in Isaiah that he blots out our transgressions and remembers them no more. Not that he's this old man who's like, I don't remember their sin. He's just, he chooses to leave them. Okay, but us, it's like that lantern rises and fades off in the distance, but we're always going to see the glimmer of what was there. We're probably always going to remember the pain. We're probably always going to remember the hurt. We're probably always going to deal with a little bit of the crap that's left behind, whether it's some more bitterness or some anger or some pain or a relationship or whatever it might be, that resentment might still be there. So we forgive. We just forgive. That's it, right? That's probably like the most, uh, the epitome of the whole easier said than done statement that's ever been made, right? Just forgive them. Because hey, honestly, how many of you this morning, for real, are like, are, you're mad at somebody or something? Right? I am. I'm mad. I feel like I got some family members like manipulating some situations to their own benefit, but they're trying to be all high and mighty and godly along the way. I'm like, no, forget that. You can't do that. That's not right. All the political junk that went on last year, like that's caused some serious tension in my family. Caused some serious hurt. I look back at my own life and the own garbage that's happened to me over the course of my upbringing and my childhood, and that still hurts. I don't know where you're at, but a lot of us this morning, we're in it. Like we're sitting right there. You're feeling the pain. You feel the angry. You feel the hurt. You feel the resentment, and you're not sure what to do with it. The Bible calls us to forgive. How? How do we do that? I want to offer you four things this morning that have helped me forgive people through a lot of junk. A lot of junk, some junk, some small things, and other things, some really, really big things that have been really hard to work through. But these four things have helped me throughout the way. The first thing is this, decide to be a forgiver. Like make the decision, I'm gonna forgive people. When bad stuff happens, I'm gonna choose to be someone who forgives, right? Because in the moment, when your heart is really, really broken and you're really, really hurting and you're really, really angry and you're really, really resentful, it's gonna be hard to make that decision. But if all of us this morning can say, you know what? The next time something happens, I'm going to choose forgiveness. It'll help us in the long run. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter, this is one of Jesus's closest followers. He's kind of his inner three best friends. Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How often are we gonna do this? Seven times? Like I'm willing to do seven. That's still a lot, right? Sin against me once, shame on you. Sin against me twice, I mean, shame on me. We're done. Seven times? Jesus said to him, no, I don't say seven times, 77 times. There's no end to this. When someone sins against you, we forgive them. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, then we've done this like four times this morning. We've stood together and prayed. We've stood together in worship, which is like prayer to a song, right? We've been here. We've been praying. We've been talking. Whenever you stand, even now this morning at Phoenix Bible Church on a Sunday morning, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. This isn't optional for us as Christ followers. This is the way of Jesus. 
This is what he calls us to. He calls us to forgiveness. Some of you right now probably have something against someone. It could be some hurt. Maybe you're holding on to it because you're trying to figure out how to get payback. Let this morning be the morning you give that over to God and say, God, take that out of my hands. I'm placing it in yours. Would you do as you will? Second thing, how do we forgive? We acknowledge and confront sin. We acknowledge and confront sin. Uh, The majority of my life, like my MO, has just been bury it. Okay, if someone hurts my feelings, shove that stuff down and don't let anyone see it. If someone sins against you, like just be a man and get over it. Okay, stuff happens, it's fine. But that is not the way Jesus calls us to deal with sin. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell them their fault. Go and tell them. If someone sins against you, go point it out between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Don't like like backhand them on Insta or TikTok. Like actually tell them they did something wrong. Don't do this like, don't you just hate when someone does this and that one person sees that and they're like, yeah, that's that's for me, right? Like actually go to them, talk to them, tell them what they did was wrong. Why? Because at the end of it, you can gain your brother. How do I go to them? Galatians 6.1 says, brothers, this is also sisters, Christians, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, you who are mature in your faith, should restore him how? With the spirit of gentleness, not condemnation, not like with a rude attitude, not to show them just how evil they are, but with a gentle spirit, with a good heart, with humility, so that they might repent and come back to the Lord. Just as the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance, so too the kindness of the Lord through us might lead the people in our life to repent as well. Isn't that kind of judgy though, to go to someone and point out their flaw and be like, you're a sinner, let me tell you why. It depends if you do it like I just did, then yeah, that's super judgy. But still, this is actually what Christ calls us to do. Matthew chapter seven, one through five says this, judge not that you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye but don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Now here's where we stop. We like to stop there and be like, that's so hypocritical. Don't point out other people's flaws. Like there's a log sticking out of your face. If there's a splinter in someone's eye, let them deal with it. You get the log out. Yes, but there's a second piece to this. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, the the whole point of this parable is not so we just avoid the people's specks. The point of the parable is take out the log so you can more appropriately deal with your friend's speck. If they've got something going on in their life, it is the opposite of love for us to just let that be. If we love them and we care for them, we go to them in all grace and all humility and all kindness and all patience and all gentleness and say, hey, can I help you? And then when they say, what about you? I'm jacked up too. I've got my own stuff. I know I do. I know I do, but I want to help you. I want, I want to help you walk with Jesus. I want to help you overcome that sin in your life. We acknowledge sin and we confront sin. We don't just suppress it and leave it to fester. The third thing we do, remember the mercy and grace of Jesus. No one models grace and mercy like Jesus. 
No one has shown it more fully. No one has shown it more beautifully than Jesus himself. Grace and mercy, just like uh, bitterness and resentment are kind of two sides of the same coin, grace and mercy are the two sides of the same coin as well. Right, mercy is withholding something from, like something deserved. So uh, like when my boy kicked the other one in the spots uh, and then he punched him in the face, mercy would have been to not punch him in the face. Okay, he deserved it. Grace, on the other hand, is, is offering something free that someone doesn't deserve. So mercy, withholding what's deserved. Grace, giving what's not deserved. Jesus has done both of those for us. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, it says this about us, who we once were apart from Christ. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Walked is like a lifestyle. This is who you were. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Not a great verse to describe who we'd like to be, but a perfect verse describing who we once were apart from Christ. You and I were dead in our sin. Okay, not just like a little bit sinful. We were sin. Completely. We were born that way, and then we chose sin throughout our life. And then if you look at verse, uh, verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, not a little bit merciful, rich in mercy, abundantly merciful, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, made us alive with Christ. Did any of us deserve that? The answer is no. Do any of us deserve his grace? The answer is no. Is there anything we can do to deserve his grace? The answer is no. Do any of us deserve his mercy? Again, the answer is no. Is there anything we can do to be worthy of his mercy? Again, the answer is still no. Verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Forgiveness might be one of the best gifts we can offer people in our life. Hey, when you, ever, you ever wronged someone and you feel so bad about it and you're not sure what to do? Right, like you were great friends and that, that relationship is now severed and you knew you did something wrong, but you're not quite sure how to go about making it right. And that's what we do. We try to make it right. Because this is what we do with God as well, right? We're sinners, so we try to work and work and work and work and work to try to get right with God, but it doesn't work like that. It works through grace and mercy and forgiveness. When we come to a friend and say, I totally jacked up, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and someone just says, I forgive you, how does that feel? It feels great. It feels like a gift. It's the gift that Jesus has given us, so too it's the gift that we ought to freely give away to people in our life. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Why do we have to put it away? Because left to ourselves, it's who we become. We become bitter. We become uh, wrathful. We become angry. We become clamorous. We become uh, slanderous, if that's a word. That's who we become. We put them away. Well, what's bitter? Bitter is anger at being treated unfairly. What's wrath? It's like extreme anger aimed at a person. What's clamor? I had to look this one up. I don't think I ever used, like, used the word clamor. I ain't clammy. Like when you see a cute girl and your hands get clammy, right? Uh, that, that, but, but clamor, it's passionate, forceful shouting. That's Facebook. That's what clamor is. It's Facebook. It's just loud people yelling stupid things. 
Slander, it's false and malicious talk aimed at someone. Malice, it's intention to do evil towards someone. So when someone sins against me, these are the things that come out. Bitterness comes out, wrath comes out, clamor comes out, slander comes out, malice comes out. Evil is what comes out of me. But the way of Jesus, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He becomes the model. He becomes the example. Just as I sinned against Christ and came to him and said, Jesus, I trust you, forgive me. Immediately he said, yes. Colossians 3, 12 through 14, put on then, if those other things were things we need to take off and put away because they don't look good on us. He says this, put on as God chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, okay, putting up with each other's weirdness. Just because someone's different than you doesn't make them a sinner. Just because someone has different likes or different, different convictions doesn't make them a sinner, doesn't make them awful. We bear with them. And if someone has a complaint, we forgive. We forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This isn't an option for us. This isn't an option. If we follow Jesus, harboring bitterness and resentment towards someone is not the way of Christ. This is God gave us grace, as God gave us mercy, as he modeled that perfectly throughout his life, so too we freely extend that to the people in our lives who sin against us. The fourth thing that we do, we know that God has a plan. We know that God has a plan. There's this really awesome uh, story in Genesis about a guy named Joseph. You're familiar with Joseph? He's the guy who had the Technicolor dream coat, right? Had some brothers who really hated him because he was dad's favorite kid. Had a cool dream about his brother serving him one day. Was cocky enough to tell his brothers the dream and be like, hey, y'all, someday y'all gonna bow down to me. So what they do? They sold him into slavery. Seems a little extreme, like pretty extreme for the action. So Joseph gets moved to Egypt. He's working in Egypt. Things are going great. He gets accused of a crime he doesn't commit. Now he finds himself in jail. Pretty awful. Like every reason in the world he had to resent his brothers and resent his family for the things that they did. But we get to the end of Joseph's story. It's pretty crazy. His brothers end up in Egypt. There's this famine. They're trying to get grain and everything. They end up standing before Joseph. And Joseph makes this statement. He says, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. But his brothers couldn't answer him, for they were dismayed. They are freaking out. Why? Because payback. Payback. See, that's what I want, and that's what you want. In the moment, in our flesh, and our sin, that's what we desire. Payback. But he says this in Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. He doesn't say, hey, no big deal. He says, no, what you did was wrong. It's evil. I'm not just letting you off the hook. I'm calling sin for what it is. It's sin. You can't do that. You can't treat people like that. But he says, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And that's Joseph. That's great for Joseph. What about me? What about my life? Romans chapter eight, verse 28, it says, we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things, good things, bad things, evil things, sinful things. God is so good that he can use the bad situations in your life for his glory and for your good. 
And you may not have had your Joseph moment yet where all the pieces come together where you get to see, oh my goodness, God sent me to Egypt through my brother's horrible actions. Maybe you're looking for it. Maybe it's not gonna come in this life. Some, it will come someday. Someday you'll see it. You'll stand before Jesus and he'll show you the whole picture of how everything happened for his glory and also for your good, even the evil actions of the people in our lives. But friends, when we're living in it, like when we're in the moment, when we're in the thick of it, when we're angry and that anger turns to bitterness and that bitterness turns to resentment and that resentment turns towards like really evil things we like to say or do to other people, we have to remember God is still working. He's still doing something. We might not see the full picture, but we know he has a good plan for us. Forgiveness does not diminish justice. It just entrusts it to God. Church, I'm not sure what you're going through. I know it's something. I know it's something. May we as followers of Jesus, followers of the way of Jesus, those who want to live our lives like Jesus, would we look at him, would we look at his hands and say, Jesus, just as you paid the penalty for my sins in your hands, I am giving the sins of the people in my life over to you. Would you deal with them? May we forgive. May we forgive the way that Christ forgives us. May we decide today that we're going to be people of grace, that we're going to be people of mercy, that when people sin against us, so we will also be forgivers of those people. May we not brush sin under the rug, but acknowledge it and deal with it because it's not okay. Sin needs to be dealt with. May we model the way of Jesus. May we be gracious and merciful to those in our life. And as we go through trial after trial and pain after pain and hurt after hurt, as we pursue real healing through the blood of Jesus, may each of us remember that God is still working and that he has a wonderful, wonderful plan for each of us. Let's pray. God, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for how good you are to us. God, even when things aren't going our way, even when things are just painful, even when things are just confusing, even when things hurt, even when people we thought were our friends or suddenly enemies, even when our family was so close uh, and now it's just fractured. God, there's so many situations going on in our life and there's one thing, one person who's constant all the time and it's you. Jesus, this morning, we turn to you. We turn to you for forgiveness. We turn to you uh, for the model of grace and the mercy in our life. We turn to you to fix our eyes on you, to put our focus on you, God, to not get caught in the junk going on around us, but to run the race with endurance set out for us. Jesus, because you are the author of our faith, and so too you are the finisher of our faith, God, and we trust you with everything. We trust you with our life. We trust you now with the situations we find ourselves going through. God, for those who are here in this room who are experiencing deep, deep hurt, I ask that they'd experience healing through you. God, that you touch them, that you take away their pain. God, thank you for an opportunity this morning to worship uh, with another family in another house. God, we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you are, are here with us now, that you're here all over the valley in churches that preach the gospel, that you're here with uh, churches all over the world working for your glory and working for our good. God, may we respond now as we open our hearts and open our mouths to worship you for who you are. God, we love you. And all God's people said, amen.